Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is Stan Jariah with my friend, my co-host, uh, your favorite member of this podcast, I assume, listeners, <laughs> Nick Brachin. Not true. I'm the co-host with the highest percentage of body fat. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the statistic I'll own up to. Is is a, is lower body fat correlated with likability, Nick? I, I didn't realize this was the case. I, You know what? Overall, yeah. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, so, so this is actually this is going to be kind of a quicker episode because it is late as heck, and you and I have had extremely long weeks. We're gonna we're gonna make our picks. This, this card's kind of whack too. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's. I mean, to be honest, it has it has some meat on the bones, but it's not a full card yet. It's it's not a top to bottom solid card. There are definitely some some uh, you know so, some mismatches here. And, and then we there's lost a big fight. I mean, we lost uh, we lost Neil Magny, uh, Vicente Luque. Agreed. Neil Magny apparently on the juice versus Vincente Luque. That, that, that could have been particularly um, interesting. Claiming no juice, it was a uh, he popped for a diuretic. He popped for something. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a steroid. But he uh, he 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 popped for something, and he he seemed he seemed very contrite and shocked. I think that's the difference between a guy like Dillashaw getting an insane amount of heat. By the way, they're on the same team. A guy like Dillashaw getting an insane amount of heat is because he looks chiseled and he's, you know, blowing people out of the water sometimes. Whereas Magny, you know, kind of ho-hums and will win a decision here and there and will surprise us once in a while. But he's not exactly an athletic monster out there. And, and again, like, are we really giving Magny the extra benefit of the doubt because he's not explosive? I don't know. I, I'd like to find out more. It just seems like this, the name huh? of the substance that he uh, that he popped for, you know, it doesn't sound like something that would be in your Wheaties. Yeah, I mean, Luke's saying that he trusted him. He just seems like a guy who's really earnest. Who's who's really earnest. I don't think, uh, you know, he tested positive for dehydroxy LG LGD four zero three three. You know That's, what? That, that that probably is in 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 a Wheaties box. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. That sounds like something that would just be a natural ingredient in, in like in like anything we eat. But yeah, I I don't know a whole lot about that product. It just again just does not sound like something that would naturally go into your system. Anabolic agent. So I was wrong. Um, again, I, I I don't I don't buy the bullshit. He's on the same team as yeah. a couple of other guys that have popped. Um, I'm I'm gonna assume due respect to Neil Magny, I'm gonna go ahead and assume that uh, he felt like he needed to pick me up after a rough patch going in against the uh, going into fight against a really tough guy in Luque, and I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, if he dabbled a little bit. Best best case scenario, those guys need a new vitamin supplier. <laughs> that is, that is safe to say. Yeah, I, I wonder if their coach is gonna is gonna like come out with a sorry not sorry post on behalf of Magni. Wait, who is who's the, whose camp is that? Is it is it Bang Ludwig? It's not it's not the Trevor Whitman Colorado camp, right? Uh, no. Although I'm not sure if they're associated with them. I, I think it's Elevation Fight Team. Right, right. Which uh, includes uh, Bang Ludwig, at least with some of the fighters. I don't know that he works with the entire team, but certainly with some of the fighters. So last week, Nama Yunus Andraj, uh, a pretty awesome main event in that in that they both got to kind of show what they're really good at. Rose was super smooth early. She looked so slick. She put a lot of damage on Andrade, probably more than uh, Yen Jacek did in five rounds. And Andrade, it seemed to me like she was having more success in that second round. 
And it led into that takedown where Rose insisted on keeping that Kimura tight and got slammed on her head as she was, uh, as Andrade just basically picked her over. Um, what yeah. did you think of that one, Nick? Um, I thought I was blown away by Rose's performance in the first. I'd never seen her so sharp. Um, that's that sniper jab. That's terrific footwork. The just she's always been great at distance, but to be that good at distance, but also that um, active and aggressive, um, I feel like usually she call she picks she kind of she throws a little bit less usually. I just felt like she was. I mean, that was a beautiful round of perfectly choreographed and timed violence with I would think an extremely high. Uh, rate of contact i yes. think it landed a lot of her shots yes um i thought that she was outclassing her ev everywhere and she had that you know she had the defense for the slam which dominic cruz was nice enough to point out i don't uh, know call it a defense after the second slam man i know but it, se it seemed to work at the beginning and then um yeah it you know when she got it just it just happened and my assumption is and you know better than i it's it's a thing that in the in the uh, women's divisions we've seen happen twice to uh, Roxy Mataferi. We saw it in a strike force fight with Sarah Kaufman, and then we saw it against a different opponent of hers. I can't remember who. And then a third time, um, it might have been in Invicta. She was she had a triangle and was picked up, but she but she uh, she let go, so she was able to control where right. she landed. And I feel like. For you know, for people training BJJ, the they the instincts to hold to to maintain the hold, yes, it, like kick it kicks in um, almost um, as a as an unconscious response. You don't think, oh, I you, you know, you don't think, oh, I'm gonna let this go because I've got to make sure I don't get you know I don't get slammed in my head or neck. Right. And it's so it would have been so easy for her um, for her to let go and therefore have some control over how she landed um, but you know it just I think that she just uh, got caught like she she got caught in her instinct you know I think a lot about pro wrestlers because it's really about it's about how to take a bump and it's a pro wrestling thing where they're always doing crazy moves but they know how to fall and land on their back and uh, and make sure that the that the impact um, goes across their, you know, goes across their entire back, and it's just a very simple, easy mistake or forgetting something or instinct kicks in, and all of a sudden you've got, you know, a concussion or potentially a spinal or neck injury, and I, I just think that's what happened. It was a, I don't want to call it a fluke as, as Michael Bisping did, because it was poor. It really it was poor defense. You know, it, was, it wasn't a fluke. Nama Yunus, as amazing as she was and as likable as she is, chose the wrong defense for the slam and yeah. uh, left, herself, left herself susceptible to a head and neck injury, and hence she got knocked out. Yeah, um, it, you, you were saying that taking a bump thing, that's a factor, and that's something that they practice in judo as well. I think Nama Yunus would have been fine had, had, she, had uh, the fact that she was holding on to that kimura as... Andrade had her over her own head. Um, is it, like the fact that it, the fact that she had the kimura essentially means that she's going to be stiff in those moments. And if she's stiff, and and you're if you're stiff in a car crash, if you're stiff, you yeah. know, falling down the stairs, if you're stiff, getting slammed onto your head, it will hurt as much as it can. If you're relaxed, 
which a lot of guys when they're getting slammed, they tend to just kind of like be ready for it and 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 kind of stay relatively relatively relaxed. Rose couldn't do that and hold a submission at the same time, and it definitely cost her. Um, I to your point about how Rose was landing at a pretty high clip early. I know as a counterfighter that there's nothing that'll make me look better than an aggressive opponent with poor defense. Um, but it will force me to be busy. I'm going to land a lot. Yeah. But by that second or third round, I'm going at a pace that I might be less comfortable with. But my opponent, who probably is used to going forward, um, is going to be a little bit more comfortable there. So the question is, uh, I believe Rose started to slow down. And I think the fact that she had to she throw did. so she much. Said that she, did. she said that she got yep. mentally tired in the second round. Yep. And, and again, the fact that she ha- uh, even as you're throwing shots, as you're moving backwards, there's something about moving backwards that really drains the gas tank. And again, I know this as as not only a fighter, uh, uh, as not, not only somebody who's you know spent thousands of rounds sparring, but somebody who's also taught. Um, it gets you so tired to move backward. It's just not a natural thing for humans. And Rose was moving backward and cutting angles as she was landing those beautiful counter strikes. Yeah. It took a lot more energy than usual, and Rose usually slows down. So I had this conversation actually earlier with a buddy of mine, and the conclusion I came to is that in a rematch, I would pick Andrade because not only do we know that she has the kind of power to just lift her overhead, which I expected her to be able to get those high crotch singles. I think I mentioned them last week. Rose yes. has like a 24% takedown defense or something like that. So I expected those takedowns to be there for Andrade, given her strength and her uh, and her history with getting that specific takedown. Um, Rose was only going to slow down more, in my opinion. But you know what? It's not proven, right? We don't know. It didn't happen. Rose, uh, in my opinion, will have slowed down more. And Andrade, the damage will have will have played a factor later on, but not to the same extent, I think, as Rose getting tired. There's something to uh, putting that kind of speed forward on the heavy bag, in, in sparring sessions, etc. I can be extremely fast, but I know that if I put that speed forward in the first two minutes, I'm going to be very tired in that last minute of the round. Um, it, it, it's at a cost, that kind of speed. It's at a cost, that kind of movement. That's a minute round, not a five-minute round where you're defending grappling. Exactly. Um, and, and yeah, like I, I just feel like the stylistic matchup, even though Rose looks so brilliant, if they forever only fought two rounds, I would pick Rose probably eight out of ten times. If they're going to go five rounds and given Andrade's pedigree to continue to push and continue to throw insane amounts of offense and Rose's propensity to slow down, I think it was still going to Andrade. I was still confident after that first round even. I don't know if you remember. You and I were texting. And I said, just wait. She's going to slow down. She can't go at this pace long term. Nobody can. And we kind of saw that in this one. Um, It's a shame. Rose really is likable. I think Andrade is really likable too. I I like both these girls. Yeah. And, uh, and it was cool to see Andrade uh, prevail in Brazil, especially after a couple of very disappointing fights for Brazilians in a row. I'm looking at the card now. F- the, the five fights prior to the main event, the Brazilian lost in Brazil. So, yeah, Andrade gave a nice uh, ending to the card for uh, not only an exciting kind of ending, but a nice ending for the hometown crowd. And, yeah, Rose looked so wow. I mean, but now, like... I pick, you know, I pro- as much as I like her, I probably pick Andrade over Michelle Waterson. Um, oh. I don't, I don't know if I pick her over Tatiana. Um, is it Suarez? Tatiana. Yeah, yeah. Very curious about that. Actually, I'd like to see her or next bout. Yeah. Um, very curious about that. I think she's fighting Nina Ansaroff, which I think is a very doable matchup for her. Um, but Nina's takedown defense, uh, training with her longtime girlfriend Amanda Nunes, I'd imagine 
I would imagine it could be up to snuff here. She might just be able to keep it standing long enough to win on the scorecards, but, but that'll be interesting. Um, you're going to have a winner of that fight, and you're going to have Michelle Waterson, and then one one fight away from a title shot is going to be Joanna Champion, who, to be frank, schooled Andrade, save, save for like one, one brief scare in the first round. Um, and I think, you know, it's possible that, you know, Joanna Giazhenko has the style to, you know, beat Andrade nine times out of ten. So... Whereas yeah, Rose Namajunas has the style to beat Joanna Champion. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's we, one of the things we talked about last week, too. Crazy musical belt scenario. Yeah, that's one of the things we talked about last week, too, about uh, this This fight will kind of answer the question of whether Rose is the best 115-pound uh, female in the world or if she is the one 115-pounder that can beat Joanna and Jacek. And... Uh, you know, it, it, again, some questions are still out there, right? We didn't see Rose fully slow down, but we start, saw the start of it. We didn't see Andrade become very effective uh, consistently, but we saw the starts of it. We saw sparks of it. So I think there's yeah. still a couple of questions to be answered. I would love to see a, a rematch of the future, just not right away. I think Rose needs a confidence boost. Um, well, she seems like she doesn't know if she wants to do this anymore. Or might, she's saying she wants to do other things with her life. So, you know, we'll see. She's always... Yeah. She's not. She's not a conventional like, UFC fighter. She definitely. Um, she she seems great. Like she seems. She's she's certainly very young and doesn't have a ton of fight experience. Um, I still think she only has something like I don't know, twelve fights, twelve or thirteen fights, something like that. Yeah, she's um, eight and four now. But but I will say Rose has a lot of mental baggage. She's lived through some tough times in her life, and that's before her MMA career. Right. Um, and I think I think that's the main reason for her her immediate reaction after the bout. Um, I, yeah. I, I I think she will come back because I think her entire life is built around the sport, and I think she will realize that she does enjoy it to one extent or another. Especially if the pressure of uh, main eventing in Brazil in a title bout is not on her. So I definitely think she'll be back. I definitely think she'll look good. But I think that that post fight moment where she kind of showed some mental weakness. Um, I think that's going to give some confidence to a couple of her future opponents, which, right, you know, right. might give them a little bit more of a chance because she is damn good yeah. especially in the three-round bout. I'd love to see her fight, um, fight Michelle Waterson again. That was a good, that was an exciting fight the first time, and Waterson's gotten better and stronger. Um, I think if they can line up Waterson and probably Tatiana Suarez as two separate uh Title fights, I think that'll be best because she'll probably beat Watterson and that'll eliminate, you know, a charismatic, uh, promotable, pretty face in the division that can fight for the title and maybe pull in some interest. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if the UFC would feed a possibly retiring Rose, uh, or I'm sorry, a, a Michelle Watterson to a possibly retiring Rose Nami Yunus, but yeah. I, I wouldn't mind seeing them out. I, I, I think. I think Watterson probably would avoid the mistake that she made that cost her that bout. It was that sidekick, I think, that allowed Rose to take her back. Um, Jared so the Nier. Well, yeah, he. I mean, Anderson Silva does his body broke. No yeah. fun. Um, Jose Aldo looked. I mean, he just looked like he was getting pressured and bullied and out. Just outworked. It wasn't like a, a slugfest or anything. It just was like Aldo seemed a little sluggish and got outworked. Any any other thoughts there? Yeah, uh, Volkanovski basically used the Holloway versus Aldo game plan in his last bout against Chad Money Mendez. And he, I think he realized that same game plan couldn't work for him here. So instead of just giving Aldo so much to counter and just 
continuing to throw offense no matter how much punishment he took. Um, Volkanovsky took a different approach. He decided he's going to pitter-patter him with kicks, not give him any punches to counter because Jose counters punches really well. Uh, yeah. Volkanovsky just kind of pitter-pattered him. I, I thought uh, You and I thought that he won that first round. I I'll think the judges – uh, I'm not. I'm actually not sure how the judges scored that first one, but uh, everyone scored it for Aldo. Oh, great. Okay. Good. good. Because the announced team was. was Sorry. I mean the opposite. Everyone scored it against Aldo. Okay. Uh, I just felt like Aldo's six landed shots, and I'm not sure if it's exactly six, but Aldo's handful of landed shots were heavy shots that did damage, whereas Volkanovski's pitter patter leg kicks didn't do any damage at all. But they did. Uh, they, they did serve a purpose in making Aldo tired without giving him anything to counter. Volkanovski basically held him up against the fence. He was yeah. Hey, Aldo spent a lot of the fight going backwards. That yep. was no. And another tiring factor. Uh, what we were talking about uh, in that bout earlier. Yeah, it's a shame to see Aldo lose like this, but I guess it's better than seeing him get knocked out. And it's great to see Volkanovski as a very, very serious contender at twenty and one, being undefeated in the UFC. Yeah. Um, He's, he's not really angry that Edgar's getting the shot. And that's understandable, but I saw that coming from, from Holloway's point of view. That's the thing to do. Get yourself a, a fight to come back and look good and feel good. Get your confidence back. Get that swagger back. And then you can face a guy like Volkanovski. That um, said, I'm not convinced Max Holloway beats Frankie Edgar. but I, 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 I am confident in Holloway in that one, unless there's some lingering fallout from his but last I think, I think the comedy – I think the – the, the previous issues, him with weight cutting and potentially head injury and the beating that he took, combined with the fact that Edgar's got good movement and good head movement and good level changes, he's, he's pretty elusive. Um, and Max doesn't have a ton of power. So I, have a, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, I could see Edgar get, ending up in top position potentially enough to win that fight. I just don't think that that Max's um, approach to strikes um, against Edgar. Yeah, may not. Yeah, that that'll be an interesting one to break down as it's coming up. I actually very much look forward to it. I hope Frankie could stay healthy this time. Um, but yeah, a, a solid overall, car, uh, a solid, a pretty decent main card, right? There was some weirdness there. Um, I thought that Span uh, Aldana uh, had some really nice finishes. Uh, Staropoli, I thought looked pretty good against Alves. Like it wasn't a bad main card, but it was, you know, it was depressing to see Anderson Silva, Jose Aldo, and Noguera. You know, maybe Alves you can throw in there as well as kind of the, these aging veterans all lose in their home uh, country. Um, but but yeah, a great goddamn main event to cap the whole thing off. Uh, it, was, we, it was a good one. I wish it had gone longer, but it was good. So we got this this card. Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and call it a mediocre card. Sometimes the mediocre cards deliver with action, uh, but we lost we lost the Magni Luke fight. Derek Krantz is stepping in as a plus seven seventy five underdog. Um, but let's talk about the main event coming. Up. We have Kevin Lee fighting at one seventy for the first time, where he has to do a much much smaller cut um, against Rafael dos Anjos. What do you what do you, how do you see that going down? It's pretty much it's pretty much an even money fight from the odds makers' perspective. Yeah, I think that's for good reason. I, I can see avenues for both of these guys to win. Uh, Kevin Lee doesn't necessarily look very fresh in that third, fourth, and fifth round of any of his bouts, and I think he's a bit tender. I think he can be knocked out. He can be hurt. Um, he can certainly be rocked. He's danced a whole lot of times in the octagon, even in bouts that he ended up winning um, after getting taking a big hit to the head. 
So I can see avenues for Rafael Dos Anjos to win late. He had kind of a late surge against Colby Covington, which is a good sign against this uh, this style of a matchup. But I am going to give the edge to Lee. I think Lee might actually be stronger than Covington. He should be able to he should be able to control uh, at least those first two and a half three rounds. And Dos Anjos doesn't necessarily come back a whole lot. He usually starts winning and then keeps winning until he finishes. He's not a guy to often come back and win. Even though he showed a little bit of that against Covington, I'm going to favor Lee here. Uh, I think the odds are accurate, but I think Lee's style has given Dos Anjos a lot of trouble in the last few years. Yeah, I agree. I've got Lee. I've got Lee on this uh, uh, winning comfortably. I think that the not not having to cut weight is going to make a big difference for him. I think we're going to see a really good Kevin Lee. Um, Javier Dos Anjos, ever since his, since he lost the belt um, to Alvarez. I just don't feel like he's looked that great. I think I feel like he seems to step. He there was a period of about eighteen months where he just looked like a world beater, and since then, I you know he's got a lot. He's got, got a lot of guts, um, but he just always seems to come up a little short. And I think that uh, I think Lee's grappling uh, and top game are going to uh, win the fight for him. Yep, same page there. Uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, is going in against Ian Heinich. Um, I think it's fair to say that both of these guys are prospects. It's a shame one of them will have to kind of take that step down the ladder. Uh, Carlos Jr. has a lot of experience in the UFC. I think he's something like 6-2 and two there. And Ian Heinich came in in his UFC debut and beat Cesar Ferreira, which is really impressive. And not a, di- not a much different style matchup. What are your thoughts on, uh, on, the, on this fight, Nick? I like... Uh... I like in favor Antonio Carlos Jr. Um, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed watching him fight. Uh, I think he's got a bigger upside um, than Hanish. What are the odds? Let me see what the odds the odds makers have. Uh, yeah, they're favoring they're favoring uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. as well. Um, I don't expect it to be like a barn burner of a fight, but I think uh, I think ACJ is going to uh, going to probably win by decision. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving him uh, the edge as well. I can see Heinich's pressure coming through here because Antonio Carlos Jr., uh, when he lost to Dan Kelly, a much less athletic, uh, much less quick, and, and, and uh, just a guy with less power than Heinich, was able to kind of push him around and, and make him lose his gas tank. And not only did he lose to the guy, but he lost him by ground and pound in the third round. Dan Kelly doesn't finish a whole lot of guys. Pat Cummins is another guy that has a win over, over him. So... I can see the forward pressure wrestler having success, but I think the experience difference in the UFC will be a factor. I also expect Carlos Jr. to be a little bit bigger, um, and his excellent ground game uh, is probably a big factor here as well. I could see Ian tiring him out toward the end of this bout, but uh, I'm going to give the edge to Carlos Jr. here, who is the more experienced man at a higher level. Um, and you know what? I will say one thing about Antonio Carlos Jr. His wins, like they're not exactly high-level names, right? Tim Boach, Jack Marshman, Eric Spicely, Marvin Vittori, Leonardo Guimeros, um, Eddie Gordon. Like, these are not the best guys. And the only two names that are really notable in the, on that list, maybe besides Tim Boach, is Daniel Kelly and Pat Cummins. And they both beat him. So I think we've yet to see just how much of a prospect he is. He clearly lost hard against Kelly and just gave, it, gave up mentally. He still has uh, better scalps than Heinish does. But. Agreed. Uh, I agree with you there. But again... Um, I I question uh, I, I question his heart based on that one Kelly fight, 
And yeah. I'd like to see him in trouble and, and work his way through it. And I hope we get the chance to see that here because I was really disappointed when I saw that fight because I thought we just drained a prospect down the, uh, down the toilet. I think it was a case of someone just like Dan Kelly is very good at doing what he does. And if you're fighting a guy that looks like that, that's that old, and what you're doing isn't working, and what he's doing is working, I think when you, I think probably what happened is he kind of mentally froze. I mean, I remember that fight. Yeah. It yeah. didn't wasn't it wasn't able to go to Plan B or or adapt. Um, also, it's po- and he did get tired. Notably, I guess it's possible that he didn't take Dan Kelly seriously. That's which a, I assume yeah. he'll never make that mistake again. Um, if that is the case. But again, I can absolutely see avenues for Ian Heinis to win this bout. Um, gonna favor Junior here by a little bit. Okay. Um, Megan Anderson versus Felicia Spencer. Uh, Anderson, who has come into the UFC and enjoyed some success uh, with the exception of that loss to Holly Holm. She kind of got out-wrestled in, uh, in that one. Actually, she's only 1-1 one one in the UFC. I thought she had more bouts than that there. Uh, after a pretty good run in Invicta. She's going up, going up against uh, essentially just a pressure grappler and Felicia Spencer, who's also undefeated, uh, who's undefeated coming in from Invicta for her UFC debut. Um, Megan's actually fighting somebody who's way shorter, but that is used to fighting at 145. What, did you, what do you think about this one, Nick? Um, I just think the the experience of being in there with um, with Kat Zingano and that unfortunate. Uh, you know that unfortunate eye injury fight, and going, uh, you know, going the distance with Holly Holm. Um, I think it's really. I'd be very surprised if Megan Anderson didn't have enough to uh, to win a decision here. So she's fighting a higher. She's fought a much higher level of competition. She has. Um, but when you really look at her UFC record, right? Because that was really her high level of competition. Yeah. Um, she fought Kent Zangano and. You know, arguably was fortunate enough to land that toe, toenail literally inside of her eye when she threw a head kick. Um, and she got out wrestled by Holly Holm of all people. Now, Felicia Spencer is all she does is pressure forward and wrestle you down. And she's pretty good at it. Um, she's fought, honestly, competition that is easily comparable to and, and in some cases maybe a little bit better than Megan Anderson did back in Invicta. Um, Megan does actually have a couple of lo- a couple of losses earlier in her career before the UFC against Cindy Danois. She kept getting taken down. I'm gonna roll the dice here on Spencer, who I know is only making her UFC debut. I know she's way smaller, but I think given Megan Anderson's mediocre takedown defense, she could take her down. Um, Megan could very well just land a couple of big strikes early and, and end it. But Felicia Spencer went uh, trained for a five round bout and won in the fourth round. Of her last bout, I expect her to be in enough, you know, have enough conditioning for this three rounder, even if it is hard. But yeah, I think I'm going to make this our first uh, differential in our picks. And I hate to do like MMA math, but Spencer, you know, Spencer did beat Pam Sorensen, who has wins over Nico Montagna and Jessica Rose Clark. Wow, um, that is imp- I, I didn't, uh, both. I didn't Pam Sorensen had those kinds of wins. Um, that's, that, well, it's a, it's a, that's an opponent of Spen- someone that Spencer. That's a, a former opponent of Spencer's. That's actually the only bout that I that I was able to that I had time to to watch on Spencer, and I kind of skipped through most of it. But the Pam Sorensen bout. Uh, uh, sorry. The Pam Sorensen bout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, she just kept getting takedowns, Nick. And despite the fact that she seemed like she was getting tired, she still went for and got that finish. Huh. Um, Sorensen did, didn't look like she sucked. It wasn't for lack of technique. 
I think Spencer has the exact style here. This is literally a grappler versus a striker. Uh, a striker who can be very dangerous, but isn't good backing up and, and is can be taken down by just about anyone that's pretty good at it. Felicia Spencer is pretty good at takedowns, and she has excellent jiu-jitsu. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to roll the dice on her. We uh, got, um, what, do you, what do you got with you? Uh, is Eubanks Lad next up? Um, in my list, it's Vincente Luque versus Derek Krantz, but... Okay. We, yeah, let's talk about Let's talk... Uh, so that's... That's a weird... Like, Luque is, is coming off that amazing fight, maybe fight of the year against Brian Barberina. And he was supposed to fight Neil Magny, but he said he's getting Derek Krantz because Magny's out with the, with the USADA um, uh, positive. And Krantz is a journeyman, but he's fought a lot... Fought in, uh, you know, he's got a bunch of wins... Um, and he has a lot of losses against prominent big names like uh, like Dustin Poirier. Um, so he's been he's been in there uh, with some monsters at different points in their careers, and he's certainly been around the block. He's a guy who um, who I think Dana White had on the Contender series, even though he was in his thirties, uh, which isn't usual. And White just likes the guy's attitude. Um, so here he is fighting a. You know, uh, fighting a, a guy that's got some real thunder in his hands, and is you know favored at you know up, up to minus twelve hundred uh, favorite um, in Vincente Luque. So, I mean, it's kind of it, like you could pick Krantz, but it would just it's like it's picking a a wild uh, a wild upset. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna go with Luque just because I haven't I haven't seen enough tape on Krantz. And you know, resume wise, and what what Luque showed in his last fight, um, I just see him being you know being cautious, um, effective, and and landing you know probably landing a couple of big hooks in the in the second round to close it out. Yeah, unless the short notice thing gets into Luque's head, and Krantz proves to just have a, an impenetrable chin, I do uh, I favor Luque. For the record, I. The last time Krantz has been knocked out was back in 2012. So not only does that show that he has, and that was something like 15 or 20 fights into his career. So that not only shows that he has serious experience, but, you know, he's got to have a pretty decent chin if he's fought uh, 34 times now. And I believe only been knocked out once uh, much earlier in his career. I do favor Luque. Um, he's a real prospect, and he persevered and worked through some tough times against Brian Barberina and got that late finish, which is impressive because – his third rounds are not his best rounds generally, and Barbarina is not a guy to get tired. That damage wore, and he's going to do the same thing to Kranz here. Kranz actually is not in a, in a terrible mental position here because he doesn't re he didn't really have to worry about fighting this monster for the last two months. He had like a week notice, and he's taking a, he's rolling the dice, he's taking a chance, he's probably getting a lot of positive press. So yeah, he's get another fight out of this. He's doing you know he got himself he, got, he wanted a UFC contract. He's got a UFC contract. He's probably going to be in for three fights. Yeah, but probably a, a, a much kinder style matchup next time. But I expect Luke to do his thing here. He's a he's a blue chip yeah. prospect, and I think it's time we see him against somebody in the top six or seven after this bout. Um, uh, what do we got next on your list? Charles Oliveira versus Nick Lentz, both super experienced in the UFC. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, well, like like why do we need to see Oliveira destroy Nick Lentz again? Are we on the same page on this one? I mean, kind of. I really enjoyed their first two fights. Me too. Um, Nick Lentz is super tough. I love his style. Uh, the problem here is that like Lentz is hung around doing what Lentz does. Um, yeah. He's a really effective grinder. He's tough as nails. 
Um, but the fact of the matter is a younger, uh, more reckless and, uh, and more privy to mistakes, Charles Oliveira, um, you know, got this, got, uh, landed an illegal blow, but was on his way to winning the first bout and then won handily in the second bout. And we, we've never seen the guy look better. He's really come into his prime. So how he doesn't, how he doesn't get a quick sub here. Um, you know, the first or second round, I, but you know, I don't know. I like watching, I like watching these guys independently. I like watching them, watching them fight. I don't mind the random, uh, you know, the random trilogy now and again, the trilogy that no one asked for. I think it's kind of funny and goofy when, when the UFC does this, but why not? They must, they must, they must want to fight again. I mean, otherwise why would, uh, who's doing the booking these days, Sean Shelby? I think Sean Shelby just like really doesn't like Nick Lentz, but fair enough. I'll, I'll take your take on it. Um, I think your respect and like for Nick Lentz, I think the fact that Nick Lentz came through for you as an underdog in the last bout as, <laughs> as one of your winning picks, I think you've got to go all in, Nick. The guy's got great wrestling. He's got so much experience. No, dude, we're tied now. It's 6-6-3, six, six, and three, I think. Yes. Um, I am not picking Nick Lentz to win this fight. I don't think I think he he didn't have very many moments in the last bout with. Uh, yeah, I agree. Era. Uh, uh, I agree. If, uh, on the feet, he's in trouble. On the ground, he's in trouble. But he can kind of decide where they fight. I mean, I guess that's. I, I don't know if that's good news. Um, he's going to get smoked here, and I hope Oliveira can fight some top five guys because he's got that kind of skill. I'd like to see if he has developed that kind of heart over the years. I just think I think. He's always going to do very, very well in the top, you know, against uh, guys just outside of the top five, I think, or maybe outside of the top ten. I, I, I feel like his size uh, and strength aren't aren't great, and when you're dealing with guys with fantastic jujitsu defense, um, he just is going to. He's not. I don't think he's ever going to be able to beat uh, a Ricardo Lamas, a Paul Felder, um, the like. Just the power, the powerful wrestle boxers, I think, are always going to, um, you know, find find his chin. Um, and it's it's about them being powerful, not about him having being chinny. But they're always going to find his chin before he finds the sub. I just think he's got. I think he's got a ceiling, and it's. I think he, at best, I think we're looking at a top eight. You know, he's a top eight guy in the division. Yeah, I I, I can agree with you there. Um, but again, he does have the skill. I think most he's of always entertained. Oh, he's never. I don't think the guy's ever had a boring fight. I agree. I mean, his last. Looking at it, wait, on, is this him right here? His last. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. He has not had a fight go the distance since he fought Edgar six years ago. Wow, that's actually pretty surprising. He, he's he's a goddamn finisher. He's a finisher. He, he did go to decision five, uh, four and a half years ago with Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, that's actually a little bit surprising that that fight went to decision. But yeah, he's a, he's a finisher, be finished kind of guy. Um, once he is not dominating you, you're probably about to finish him. Uh, but if, if, if fights without a decision, I mean, that's a lot in the UFC. Uh, I agree. But again, he's a he's a killer, be killed fighter. He doesn't have much heart necessarily. He's not very durable. And he's a he's a ser- he's seriously a finisher on the floor. He can he can submit black belt down there. Yep. Um, so let's breathe breathe, breathe through the the rest of these uh, uh, eight bouts. Um, we've got Austin Hubbard versus Davi Ramos. I favor Davi Ramos. He's a decent sized favorite for good reason. 
Um, I expect him to wrestle him down and submit him as long as he's play around on the feet. Yep, and I also and I favor uh, I favor Desmond Green over Charles Jourdain. Uh, they must have they must be high on Green. They're giving him a lot of fights, a lot of favorable fights. I agree. And for a guy coming out of a of a car accident where a woman was killed and he was possibly to blame, I think it's a little weird, but such oh, as oh, such as. He'll he'll probably get an exception to you steroids shortly. I mean, uh, that, that kind of thing can get you some goodwill in the UFC. Did uh, we, did we I, didn't I, talk I, to Aspen Lads to Jar Eubanks, did we? Um, no, I still I still have that on. Uh, that was supposed to. That was the next card that I had on oh. the uh, topology page. But again, I'm not sure what's accurate here because there's there've been some shuffling on this card. So I, I favor Des Green as well over over Charles Jordan. Des okay. really good in his last bout, and and uh, you know I think he's putting out some muscle. He has he has the skills to be a top guy. Not champion, but a top guy, and it's just about putting it together and, and actually putting his foot on the pedal in, in order to win. He he can be real passive, and that's his uh, that's his big weakness. Um, Aspen Lad versus Shajara Eubanks. I really like the fight on on paper. Um, I'm gonna favor Lad because I, I from what I understand, she has a win over Eubanks. I do have trouble picking against Eubanks, who I think is a much improved. A uh, really strong, really powerful fighter. But she is coming up to 135 for this bout since she couldn't make weight last time against Roxanne Matafari. So Aspen Lad's the pick for me. Yeah, likewise. She beat uh, two and a half years ago. She beat Eubanks, and the fact of the matter is, Eubanks is was very, very strong at the lower weight, uh, very powerful. But she makes a lot of tactical mistakes. Um, I don't think that she's got great technique, and when she loses that strength advantage. Um, I don't at the at the at this new division. I don't see it going well for her. Um, so I have Aspen Lad winning again by a comfortable decision. I, I can actually see several people that Eubanks can beat in that top fifteen. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think Aspen Lad has got a, a higher upside. It's probably a, a naturally you know bigger. Like she might, uh, from what I understand, she uh, she seems stronger than Eubanks in their last bout. Um, yeah. a, a buddy of mine told me this, so. Yeah, if that's the case. That's really impressive for Lat, who's seven and zero and rising quickly. Um, I've got Michelle Pereira versus Danny Roberts. A, a really interesting bout. Pereira, who's just like you know, he's known for his insane flips and somersaults into people's guards and and all kinds of insanity. Uh, he's been looking good over the last few years. Uh, I believe going with six and two, uh, six and one in, in his last seven bouts. Um, I favor. I can absolutely see Pereira landing a big one on Danny Roberts, who doesn't have the best chin and in a firefight tends to make mistakes. But I expect Michelle Pereira to get tired uh, as the bout goes and for Danny Roberts to be able to either land something good late or take a decision. What was uh, Danny Roberts' last bout? Was um... He lost to uh, uh, Claudio Silva in just this kind of crazy bout. In which That's he... that weird ending, right? Yeah, he never tapped. To the armbar, but the referee stopped it, and that's just that. Yeah, and he looked like he was getting out. Um, yeah, I think he yelped in pain, and the referee stopped it. I think there should be an official rule about that. If the rule is that yelping in pain is a submission, then I'm into it. But if you yelp in pain for a second and then you get out of a submission, I don't know that it should be that simple. No, I agree. Uh, I got. I have Roberts here. Um, we've got Grant Dawson versus Mike Trezano. What are your thoughts on this one, man? Um, I don't know too much about either of these guys, um, to be honest. But just looking at the line, I'll go. I'll, I'm gonna go with Dawson. Dawson's a great offensive grappler, 
but I don't know that he'll stay fresh long enough to beat Trezano. I know Trezano makes mistakes, but I'll pick Trezano here, but I can totally see Grant Dawson now grappling him. Yeah. Pat Cummins versus Ed Herman. I can't believe this is a fight. Um, I know. I'm, I'm kind of curious about it, though. Like, Ed, Ed Herman's a pretty good fighter. He's uh-huh. an entertaining fighter, for sure. And he's been around forever. Yeah, he has. I'm actually looking at his topology page, and that must have been from like way. Oh, UFC 143 Diaz versus Condit. He looked so in shape, Nick, at 185. I remember. And, and now he looks like. I mean, he still looks semi in shape, but he just looks like a, a, a an older. Uh, I don't know, just more worn version of that guy at 205. He's 38. He's been doing this for 16 years, and his first UFC fight. Was against Kendall Grove uh, yep. almost thirty years ago. Yeah, I, I remember that bout very well. I watched that season, and he's fighting another thirty-eight-year-old in Patrick Cummins, who has the chin of a feather, but some good offensive wrestling. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to go with short fuse here. I think I think Ed Herman can occasionally land some thunder, and he's the underdog, but um, I I like him. I like him over Cummins. I agree that he can land thunder, but the, the just his performance against CB Dalloway in a fight that he actually hurt CB Dalloway in for a second um, leads me to think he might be able to he might be susceptible to getting taken down. Even though I know he's also a wrestler, I'll give it to Cummins, um, but I can absolutely see, absolutely see Herman just hitting him cleanly and, and ending about Trevin Giles versus Zach Cummings. Um, I actually don't know a whole lot about Trevin Giles. Surprisingly, he's got a couple of UFC bouts. What are your thoughts on this one, Nick? I know that I never pick Zach Cummings. That's what I know. Um, let's see. Looking at Cummings' record recently, I know he's been going through a bit of a rough patch. He actually, I mean, I guess it's not bad. He's but yeah, went to a split decision over Prozaris, which is which is impressive. Yeah, uh, doesn't really have a. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't really have any trademark uh, victory victories. I guess he won a split decision over Terry Martin ten years ago. Yeah, um, I, I don't know that that would be a signature victory was, ten years ago. Was Terry Martin only thirty eight? Anyway, um, yeah, man, I some really good guys. To be fair, Gunnar Nelson, Santiago Ponzinibbio, Michelle Prezeras, like these he's guys. Lost have, good, yeah, he's lost some good guys. Yeah. Uh, I don't know enough about this other cat, though, that he's fighting. Um, Trevor Giles. I mean, Giles is favored. I, I'm going to go with Giles. Um, I guess I'll go with Giles, too. Um, I think he's a power guy. He's got several knockouts on his record. Yeah, he, actually, um, Cummins has a really good chin, but I guess I'll favor Giles because I wouldn't necessarily want to win or a loss to depend on this one. Um, he's got some power in his hands and pretty athletic, I guess, so. Maybe we'll have enough for Cummins, who, again, only really loses to really good guys. Um, Julio Ars versus Julian Arosa. Um, Ars should be favored here. I'm not looking at the odds, but I can only imagine. Um, I, I think Ars should be able to do most of what he wants and, and rough up Arosa for a second or third round stoppage. Yeah, I agree. He's massively favored. I mean, he has a, had those two losses against Brian Keller, who's a talented guy, and then he lost his split decision to Shaman Marais. Um, he's also a very talented athletic guy. Um, he's a New York guy. He teaches MMA in Queens at one of the Tiger Shulman gyms. Um, I don't usually pick Tiger Shulman fighters to win. 
I feel like they always run into like game planners. They don't, I feel like the Tiger Shulman fighters often don't have a plan B. Um, That's interesting. I'll pay attention to that. I'm very curious. Actually, Julio Dars uh, specifically, Julio Ars fought against one of my teammates back in the day. And I think he got a knee bar submission, if I remember compl- uh, correctly, over my teammate. Um, so yeah, I've I've kind of had him. Uh, I've kind of had him on the radar for a little bit of time, and then was surprised to to see his solid record on the on the local scene a couple of years later. And then uh, his UFC debut was inevitable. Yeah, I, I, this seems like pretty much a gimme fight for the guy after they gave him a pretty t- tough style matchup against Shaman Rice. You should be able to roll here. Yeah, I'm looking at Julian Arosa. I feel like we saw him fight. Recently, okay, fought Grant Dawson on the uh, Derek Lewis Dos Santos fight, and he got and he got knocked out on the Korean Zombie A. Rodriguez card. So um, yeah, it looks like this this it's uh, he came off the Contender series, but this he's zero two going into his third fight. I think uh, yeah, I would pick Ars here or Arce. So we we do have uh, a few picks in which picks we disagreed. We uh we have different picks on um, Anderson Spencer and different picks on Cummins Herman. Is that it? Also, I think Dawson Trezano. By the way, Trezano is another uh, Tiger Shulman's fighter that you did not pick. Oh, you um, <laughs> So yeah, yeah, we actually have uh, like Louis Gadnaw's hair. That's why. That's why I'm against tigers. Um, Louis Gadnaw's hair and Uriah Uriah Hall's inability to pull the trigger. This thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Uriah Hall used to pull the trigger back when he fought for that team, to be fair. It was, it's the last several years. Oh, no, he hasn't been with Tiger Showman since, I think, before the Ultimate Fighter. He he lives in Cali and trains. uh, At some point, he trained with Chael Sonnen's crew. Um, I've sparred with him a couple times here in, in New York. I think he kind of, you know, this is his hometown, so he might come back here and do some training. But from what I understand, um, he trains out in Cali now and has been for many years. How hard does that guy kick? Uh, kicks pretty he, freaking hard. He, uh, I'll tell you one thing. His jab was stellar, super, yeah. super fast. And back then, I mean, this was years ago when we sparred. Back then, I, I didn't quite know what to do with the jab. Although I landed a good offense, his jab was just so nasty and so quick. Yeah, he um, caught a couple times. Yeah, he did absolutely. Um, I, I would love to. I, I would love to spar with him now, uh, given given how much I've improved since then. But yeah, um, uh, there's actually a good chance we'll run into each other in, in one of these gyms. I actually saw um, uh, Neiman Gracie at Mendez Boxing earlier today. I was on the way out. He was on the way in. But uh, hopefully, we can meet up and spar next week. He's fighting Rory McDonald for the welterweight title of Bellator. So it's pretty exciting stuff. Undefeated. Yeah. If you want, I can teach you to do the Rory Deadeye so that if you're sparring with him, you can you can do the please. Please you can do the, the Rory. Imanari so, okay. The Imanari roll for no particular reason whatsoever. I can't I can't do that. I get I can imitate where I can imitate his nose falling off and I can imitate his <laughs> uh, and I can imitate his stare. That's it. That's all I got for you. I would, uh, I would I would very much be down for this kind of training. Um, so basically what you're saying is that you and I will have a mini training camp in order, in order for me to be able to help Neiman Gracie in a singular, or singular two sparring sessions during his training camp, I'm into it. Yeah, I, by emulating Roy McDonald's there, I can. I, have, uh, I, I am so into it. Um, <laughs> I actually, actually think I have a few inches of height on Rory, but I can go yeah. mimic his style. Um, he, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think my uh, my buddy John Salgado said that he might be there again next Friday, so we'll get some rounds in. 
Um, Nick, uh, another show in the books. Uh, we're not so much going to get into bets here uh, on the on the actual podcast, although I do have a couple in mind. Um, but yeah, we've got some disagreements here. This should be an interesting one. And we're tied at six and six, Nick. We've got two ties. I think I think I think the tide the tide has turned. I'll be very surprised if I pull this off. And if I do, I'll make sure you know all about it. Oh, I don't know. You, I, you've got uh, you've got more favorites in the pipes than the picture than I do. So I feel like y'all.